recap it, but the, the main point is we were talking about how um, our, our hearts uh, a lot of times can, can be all out of order. And, um, you know, it's, it's not that we need to have balanced hearts. It's that we need to have well-ordered hearts is the way that uh, John Orgberg put it. And um, we looked at, at those two stories about how these guys, like their hearts were, were in the right order as far as, um, as we see reflected in the, in the decisions that they would make. And, you know, that um, basically God was uh, clearly first, even, even at the penalty of death. I mean, God was just the most important thing. And nothing was going to trump that. And, and how we just see that, that the order of their hearts by the decisions that they make. And, um, so last two weeks we've kind of looked at that and, and, um, both of those stories, I and mean, there's so much admiration, you know, I think that we all have when we see these guys who are, like, would rather face death than disobey God or do something that would defile Him somehow or defile themselves or whatever. And, you kind of admire that kind of courage, that kind of faith, that kind of just the guts, you know. Um, the story of Jonah is is maybe a little more uh, relatable for me than that, because I'm challenged by the, those stories. Um, but I'm not one of these guys who walks around with a heart that's always in the right order. You know, I don't. I'm not always making the right decisions. Um, I probably can relate more to Jonah because Jonah just messed up a lot. You know, um, he was he was up and down. You know, he was um, obedient and then like not obedient, and then he like pitch a fit about it and whatever. And 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 so I look at that, I'm like that. I can definitely relate to this guy uh, pretty well. So what we're gonna do tonight is we're just gonna we're gonna look at the entire book of Jonah, okay? And I don't have all the verses up on the screen for you because that would have taken a long time and they would just kind of fly by. So some of like the ones that we'll kind of camp on for a second will be up on the screen. But tonight's message is really going to be just um, five, kind of like five things that people with um, with heart order issues really need to hear. I don't know if, if that's you. Um, it's definitely me, and I think um, maybe we can all connect with the fact that, that sometimes God, yeah, God is like the first, is number one, in, you know, in, in our hearts. Sometimes He's a little bit further down than He needs to be, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And so, I think from the story of Jonah, we can learn some things that we really need to hear. And uh, so, I don't know which of these five things is is for you. I believe that God has brought us all here for something tonight. Maybe it's one of these points. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a, a hug that you get from somebody. Um, but uh, as far as the book of Jonah goes, that's kind of the approach that we're going to take. So let's just start at the beginning, which is a good place to start. Jonah chapter 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city, the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. 
But Jonah had gone below deck, where he can lay down, where he, sorry, we lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, "How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe He will take notice of us and we will not perish." And the sailors said to each other, "Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity." They cast lots, and of course, the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, "Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do what do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you?" And he answered. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should, we do, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. And they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Okay, here's, here it is. Here's point number one. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord... And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Okay? Here's point number one. Um, God can use you even when you mess up. God can use you even when you mess up. Now, for someone who has heart order issues, I need, I need to hear that, you know? Because, and because I tend to be so, like, self-absorbed, I, I can very easily think that, that my disobedience has now put the world on a whole different course, you know, that I've now messed up human history because, you know, I failed to do something. Um, and, and we kind of, we have this, you know, God is, is up in heaven, like waiting to like, you know, smoke us with lightning every time we mess up kind of approach to things. And when we look at this story, I mean, God said, go to this city and tell them this. And he went the other way and tried to hide. And so he was disobedient and he was defiant and he was rebellious. And, and he knew it, you know, like he even knew, like, it's my fault. Throw me over, kill me, everything will be fine. Like he knew it. Here's the thing. Even in the midst of his disobedience, look at what happened to all these other sailors that were there. Throw him over, everything calms down, and they are like, all right, this dude, his, the Lord, you know, when he said, uh, I'm a Hebrew, I worship the Lord, I worship Yahweh, that's who they made the sacrifice to. That's who they made the vows to. Even in his disobedience, God used that situation to communicate his power to these sailors. And so God can use us, even when we mess up. Which is not necessarily this license to just go do whatever you want. You know, like, ah, oh, you can use me anyway. I'll just go do whatever. But it's supposed to highlight God's sovereignty, God's power. It kind of keeps us, keeps us in our place in, the, in the, the way things work, doesn't it? To know that you can blatantly say, God, you told me to do this. I'm going to do the opposite. And he's like, oh, yeah, watch this. My glory, just like that. That he will use, he can still use us. 
we tend to beat ourselves up, you know, and like, I'm so disobedient, I'm the worst Christian ever, I'm probably not even really a Christian, and this and this and this, and we just, we just, just pound on ourselves, you know, emotionally and spiritually and all this kind of stuff. When I, when I got out of college, um, I knew I was supposed to go to seminary, and um, basically, because of a bunch of other circumstances going on, I didn't right away, and uh one thing led to another, and I, and I took a job. I took a teaching job. And the 100% honest truth is that God never, like, told me. He never led me to that conclusion, like, this is, I have opened up this door. This is the job that I have for you. I want you to do this instead of going to seminary. Um, I never really prayed about it, to be honest with you. Um, I never sought wisdom about it. I didn't ask other people to pray. I basically was like, I need to make some money. And even though teaching is not the most lucrative career ever, it's like 900 times what I've ever made before. And so uh, I'm going to do it. And so I basically took a teaching job for the money, which sounds <laughs> kind of weird. But, uh, but that's why I did it. It was purely, it was financially motivated. I, Looking back on that now, I that was like... That was not smart. Now, it's not like God was saying, like, don't take the job, and I took it anyway. But, I mean, I never, I never, just never even, like, approached it as a decision where I should involve him. And so I look at that as disobedience, considering, you know, what, like, the role that he's supposed to play in our lives. And, and, and I knew it the whole time, and that's the weird part. So here I am, I'm in this new career, and I'm, like, disobedient Josh, you know, like, here I am. And I guess the the more I worked, it started to dawn on me, like, wow, like, I'm in this for the money. And the first, like, first month was miserable, you know. And I was like, there's God. He's just making everything bad for me, you know. He's trying to, he's trying to ruin my life, you know, or whatever. I hated it. But the the cool thing is, after uh, like after a month of me just being very focused on myself and beating myself up, me like I never should have taken this job and it was just for the money and I'm sorry I didn't ask you and this. After I got done pouting and kind of pitching my little fit and having my pity party and all this kind of stuff, some things started to happen where um, like God started to, like to to show His glory while I was teaching there, and it was the weirdest thing. Because I'm like, how in the world, like, why, why would God do that? I mean, I was disobedient to him. Like, and his response really is because I'm God, and that's what I do. And over the next, like, year and a half, I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. And, and, I mean, I had opportunities for ministry. In fact, after I, when I stopped teaching to, to finally go to seminary, I went through withdrawals because I was like, I miss like coming home at the end of the day and feeling like I made a difference in the world, you know, like I was just so attached to it and, and, and attached to the students and and I, I just didn't understand it. And and now, I mean, there are people who are part of this church today um, as a part of the, that connection that was made back then. I mean, it's just weird how I look, can look at it and be like, I was so disobedient and, and God made something good out of it, you know, or I can be like, I was so disobedient and God made something good out of it, you know. I have heart order issues, and I need to 
to realize that even in my disobedience, God still like brings fruit from those things, and and it's something I need to know. And again, it's not licensed just to like just go and just do whatever I want. I still push for obedience. But what happens is in those times where I'm like, I, I just I so messed up. It's not the end of the world. Because God's going to get his glory. And so what it really is, it's in the midst of those situations, after we've messed up and we're kind of in this, like, uh, I don't know what to do, that becomes how we pray, you know. That becomes how, like, okay, God, this is the situation I'm in. I, like, please make something awesome happen. And he'll do it. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, here's the second thing. Look at verse 17 in chapter 1. So Jonah has been thrown overboard. All the seas are calm. These guys are now worshiping the Lord, all right? These people who were, have worshipped all these other gods before are now worshiping Yahweh, all right? Here's the second thing, verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Second thing, God is a rescuer. If you have heart order issues, then chances are you make bad decisions, all right? And those bad decisions get you into situations where, like, you are completely helpless. A lot like Jonah being tossed overboard, all right? Just sinking and sinking and sinking. I know that my heart order issues get me into trouble a lot. And so maybe tonight what I need to hear, maybe what you need to hear, is that God is a rescuer. Maybe your decisions have gotten you into a predicament. And you're like, you know what, there's no smooth talking my way out of this. You know, There's no like conjuring up a plan for this. Like I am, like, I am in need of like rescue. And the thing is, God being a rescuer, it doesn't always come in the ways that we think. I really doubt that Jonah was like praying, Lord, send a big whale <laughs> to come and eat me. But it says clearly, the Lord provided a great fish. And see, God's rescue doesn't always come in the way that we, that we think it will. Sometimes, sometimes it, it, it'll come through those circumstances, you know. Jonah's situation will be a circumstance rescue. Big fish comes and swallows you up. Sometimes those circle, like sometimes we're in those like situations, and all of a sudden, just the circumstances just completely shift. You know, remember us praying uh, for Jonathan Wilmore because uh, he had maxed out his million-dollar insurance policy. Remember that, Jonathan? Million-dollar policy, he maxed it out. Okay, he has gauches, and um, he just re- required a lot of insurance. And so they were facing this point. They were like, look, no more. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's it. And so, I mean, we've been praying. All these people have been praying. We prayed on Sunday night. And it was, was it the next day, Jonathan? The next day they found out, oh, yeah, like, I don't know why we were saying one million, because you definitely have two million. I mean, what, can, what better, like, I mean, that's rescue right there, you know. There are just times when God just will take the circumstances and just change them. I don't know how he does it. I'm glad he does it. God is a rescuer. Sometimes it happens in circumstances. Sometimes it happens through people. 
Sometimes we get in, into a bind, you know, financially, and somebody, like, just takes care of it. Sometimes you're in a situation where you just need, you need some help. You know, you need somebody, you need somebody who knows how to do something that you don't know how to do. And that person, like, just walks in, you know, and the music starts playing. They have a cape fluttering in the wind. And you're like, yes. Sometimes it's through people. Sometimes, sometimes it's through the church. All kinds of, of, of situations where um, bad decisions have left somebody in a bind and they need rescue, and God uses the church to be like the rescue boat. But there's another, another kind of rescue that I think sometimes we forget about. Um, and it's uh, called uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, we like the kind of rescue, like like stories in the, in the Old Testament, where like Jehoshaphat and the army, and they're they're like like praying, 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 praying. God's like, just show up at the battle, just show up at the battle, and they show up, and everybody's already dead. We like those times, right, where God just does it, and we don't even it just happens. But in Exodus 14, my brother reminded me of this the other day. They're, when like the Israelites, are, they've, the Egyptians let them go, and they get to the sea, and the Egyptians had a change of heart, and they are like coming after them. And, um, and there's like this, this moment, you know, and the Israelites are like, like, why did you bring us out here? Let's go back, you know? Like at least we know what to expect. At least we'd have food. Like why would you bring us out here to die? And Moses gives this like, William Wallace, like, speech out in front of him. He's like, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Egyptians will not be here anymore and all you have to do is stand still. And the next verse is like, God says, why are you crying out to me? Tell them to move on. You know? Sometimes it's that it's that Christ in us and it's that initiative we have to take. Like that's where the rescue comes from. We've gotten ourselves into situations and we're like, I don't know what to do, and we want everything just to take care of itself, or we want someone to step in and save the day. But you know what? It's the Christ in us that gives us authority, gives us um, wisdom, gives us peace, gives us the words. I mean, like sometimes like the, that's where the rescue is. And not in a new age, like, the, the rescue is within yourself kind of way. No, no, no. It's not in within self. It's within Christ, within us, you know? So he's already set us up for rescue. 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Sometimes that's, that's the rescue that we need. And we have to move forward with that. But for someone who ends up in some pretty stupid situations because, of, because my heart gets all like out of, out of whack, I need to hear that God is a rescuer. Maybe that's what you need to hear tonight too. Let's keep going. Look at his prayer from within the belly of the fish. It says, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help. And you listen to my cry. Maybe, maybe that's for you tonight. Maybe that is, you need to circle that. That needs to be like your verse this week. Um, reminding you about God being a rescuer. The depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and in the current 
and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I've said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Maybe, maybe you feel that way tonight. <laughs> maybe you're like, seaweed wrapped around my head? Yes, that is me. <laughs> to where the mountains begin is where you feel like you've sunk. But you, O oh Lord, brought my life up from the pit. O oh Lord, my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless this, 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 this verse. Yeah. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But what but I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So he's, he's here, and he's realizing the rescue of God, and he begins to, to worship, and he, and he has this change of heart, and he's realizing, like, like he's realizing his mistake, and he's, real, he's like just connecting with the heart of God, okay? And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. All right? Third point. God gives second chances. Man, I've heard that my whole life, you know. God is a God of second chances. See, a lot of times when we do mess up, um, we beat ourselves up so much that I believe sometimes we miss the fact that God reopens doors for us. When I was in college, I, uh, I had a roommate, my first roommate ever. Uh, we met uh, freshman year, and uh, we had the same major, and like everything was cool. And my sophomore year, uh, we moved into this, uh, this place. And um, a couple of months into the, my sophomore year, um, he uh, sat down a group of my friends and said, uh, I've been, I've, I have had a secret for years, and I can't hold it in anymore. Um, I am gay, and I, and I, I just can't, I can't sit back anymore and, uh, and live this lie. And um, I basically went on a textbook wrong way to react And so for a while, I did pretty much everything that you shouldn't do. I, I, it was looking back on it, I'm just surprised that God didn't like turn me into like a mound of salt. You know, I mean, like it was just ridiculous. And um, I definitely like in the in the last you know several years have beat myself up about that. And as I've grown up. And I, I've gotten more into the Word, and I've, I've begun to, I guess, realize what like the gospel is all about. Um, kicked myself often because I messed up. 
because I did. I judged him. I made fun of him. I um, withdrew from him. I uh, misrepresented Christ. I mean, like you name it, I did it. And here's the thing. A few years ago, I, I get an email from him out of nowhere. Hey, man, what's going on? What you been up to? Hope everything's good. This is what I'm doing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so thanks to the beauty of technology, um, I feel like God has given me a, another chance with him. I know there are just a lot of times where, where we feel like we've messed up a lot. Maybe it's with like a family member, you know, or maybe it's just like with a friend or, or we just we, we feel like any opportunity we ever had to minister, to love on them, to uh, to connect with them, to show Christ to them. We feel like we've just blown it. And that's not the case. See, Jonah, like God just told him the same exact thing he told him the first time. Go to Nineveh. And, the, and tell them, like, tell them the message I give you. And so maybe, maybe where you are in life right now, maybe there's, there's someone or some situation or something like that where you're like, I could not have blown it any worse. And, and it's just been this source of guilt, you know, and it's that, it's that dark cloud that's back there. And every now and then, like, it just comes to the front and it just, like, messes with you, whatever. Maybe, maybe we, can be praying for you, maybe you can be praying for me, about how God can give a second chance in that situation. Knowing that he does that, maybe that's, maybe that's what you need to hear tonight. I don't know. Next thing. Verse 3 of chapter 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Nineveh was a very important city. The visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. Then all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, which which had to do with repentance and mourning, basically, when you messed up. Here's the next point. God can turn any situation around. Again, heard that my whole life. When it comes to having hard order order issues, I think sometimes we just kind of give up. You ever prayed about something really hard for a little while, and then when you don't really see results, you're like, eh. I mean, God can turn any situation around. Here we see a city, I mean, we keep reading, verse 6, When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. He issued a proclamation in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. 
And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Here's a, an, a city that God has turned around. And I know we have some, some desires for some changes in our city. But I know I have my doubts that it will ever happen. But God can fix that stuff. I know that there are some people that I know that I really, I think I've given up on as far as God ever reaching into their lives and God ever, um, you know, freeing them from some things. And so that attitude shows my heart being all out of whack, and my heart needs to hear that. There's a, a prayer request for somebody that has been written on a card every Sunday since we started doing the cards um, a year and, what, seven months ago? That's faith. That's a heart well-ordered. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on your parents' marriage. Don't give up on your own marriage. Don't give up on those situations that you just desperately want to see turn around. Don't give up on that. Don't. When somebody else is going to give up, don't let them. We all have our own examples of Nineveh. God can turn anything around. Here's the last thing. Look at verse 10 in chapter 3. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. All right, here's the last point. God has compassion for people even when we don't. Even when we don't. And this is how we know that Jonah did not have compassion. All right? Four. Chapter four. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what I had said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life. That's how dramatic it is. For it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> and the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down in a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. <laughs> then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. All right, swings back the other way. Now he's happy. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. So he swings back the other way. God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do. I am angry enough to die. 
That's pretty angry. <laughs> All right. The Lord said, You've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You know, he's like, here you are changing your mind about this vine that you had nothing to do with. And you're angry one minute and happy the next and then angry again. You're changing your mind about something you had no connection to. Why can't I change my mind about 120,000 people that I made who are in a situation that they cannot get out of? They are completely clueless. Why should I not change my mind? Like, why would you get mad about that? You know why? Because Jonah had a little, he had some self-righteousness issues. He had some judgment issues. He wanted to see that city destroyed. He goes up on a hill and parks it so he can watch what's happening to the city. I think he's hoping that he would see, you know, it just completely just blow up or something. He had no compassion for these people. Because if he did, I mean, when if God, like, if he were to see this revival going on in this city and everybody's repenting and the king has issued this decree and they're turning to the Lord, why wouldn't he like, this is a win, man. That's why I came here. No, he was mad because he wanted them, like, to receive their punishment. And at first we can be like, oh, yeah, man, dude was wrong. I mean, think about it. Is there is there a hint of that with us sometimes? I mean, have you ever have you ever thought about the possibility that like you may be like in heaven? You're like, this is heaven, dude. Like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Hitler, Osama, hmm? Derek Todd Lee. Ted Bundy, I mean, have you ever thought about that? My friend Robert always says that that's really the most, what's offensive about the gospel, is that we may be in heaven next to child molesters and mass murderers. But here's the thing. I think that there are, like, there's a part of all of us that kind of, like, you kind of want to see people get what they deserve in our own definitions of what they deserve. And there's nothing like, like war to bring that out, you know? And it's easy to get caught up in that, like, just bomb them all, man. Just kill them, just kill them, just kill them. It's easy to get caught up in that. In that American, like, tough, you know, whatever. I'm not making a statement about war. I'm not, don't, don't walk out of here and be like, Josh talked about war tonight. I'm talking about the compassion of God that we are supposed to have for people. I've heard of this example, this story preached and used the example of racism. 
Or maybe it's um, about classes, you know. Upper, middle, lower, or whatever. Maybe it's nationalities. Whatever. Here's the thing. In our most uh, crazy times where our hearts are all over the place, and we and some of those like those ideas that are deep down in us start to come out. God has compassion for everybody. When you pick any country, any race, any background, any socioeconomic class, you pick anybody who stops right where they are. And they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And the same party erupts in heaven as did when you're South Louisiana, like 100% American little face, did the same thing. God has compassion for people even when we don't. Even when, like Jonah, we just pitch a fit. And we have those times of immaturity where we just are just screaming mad. God's like, you know what? The people, they're more important. You can get mad all you want. And that's a hard, that's a hard point. And I kind of wish I hadn't ended on that because it's kind of hard to bounce back from that. But we as the church on the earth, like we are a part of God's redemptive mission. And we see a very important lesson that's learned here as Jonah as like the case study. Is God cares about everybody. He cares about the people that you hate. He cares about the people that I don't want to be around. God has a very different perspective on the planet than we do. Maybe we don't get mad and pitch a fit when, you know, when someone's life gets turned around or whatever. But maybe there are some not-so-pretty parts of our heart that tend to come out. And when we watch the news... Maybe when we travel around town or when you're in conversations with people about what's going on, maybe maybe that's where the order of our hearts comes out. When all of a sudden you realize, like, wow, <laughs> didn't see that coming. And if so, if that's a part of where you are, it may not be, but if it is, that becomes something that you take to the Lord in prayer, that you pursue that you don't end up like Jonah who has this incredible message but has no heart to back it up you know that we get to the point where we, we rejoice with the nations that our heart breaks when we watch what's going on in our city in our school in our neighborhood, in our home or around the planet 
And when we see a, a dissonance between our compassion and God's compassion, we have to realize that his compassion is what we need to work toward. And so our friend Jonah shows us some important things. And I don't know what, what may be in there you needed to hear. Maybe you need to hear that God can use you even when you messed up. Maybe you need to hear that God is a rescuer. Maybe you need to hear that he's all about second chances. Maybe you need to hear that he can turn any situation around. Maybe you need to hear that he has compassion for everybody, even if you don't. And that highlights an issue that you need to take to him. I don't, I don't know. I know that God has something for us tonight. And so like usual, we're just going to spend some time and, and just kind of let you deal with that however you need to. And so let's, let's pray together.